Earth. Birthplace of the human race. A species much like our own. Capable of great compassion. And great violence. For in our quest to protect the humans, a deeper revelation dawns. Our worlds have met before. For the last two years, an advanced team of new Autobots has taken refuge here under my command. Together, we form an alliance with the humans. A secret but brave squad of soldiers. A classified strike team called Nest. We hunt for what remains of our Decepticon foes hiding in different countries around the globe. You won't give me a day, huh? You won't give me one day in college. I'm sorry, Sam. But the last fragment of the Allspark was stolen. Like what? Like Decepticon stolen? We... Ah, shut up, Shia LaBeouf, whatever the fuck your name is. We've seen it before and we've heard it all before, so let's crack on with the episode, huh? Good day. Good day. <laughs> Obviously, I've lost the sound again. G'day. How's it going? <laughs> Welcome to this edition of Nashcast. <laughs> coming at Barbie. you. Yeah, coming at you from the Barbie down under. Um, I'm Scott. And I'm Sean. <laughs> We're talking about Transformers 2. Revenge of the Fallen. Oh, yeah, it's not Transformers 2, is it? Damn it. Yeah, filmed uh, circa 2009. Well or done. Released. Well, no, it was released in 2009. Um, so I believe filming started sometime before that, ironically. Wow. And uh, another directed by Michael Bay. It is, and I think this is the point in time where Michael Bay started to become one of the, uh, the most hated directors in Hollywood, maybe? Oh, I'm sure or, he was that way before then. But... Most controversial. I don't know, because people didn't really seem to... Like, I, did, I hated I got, that much when, when Transformers came out. I gotta be honest. I don't Everyone know, was like, I, "Oh, okay, that's." I don't cool. know. I think he's always had a bad rep. I think even back, if you go back, even in the back of the days of like Armageddon and stuff, people hated him for some reason. I don't. Even I, I still don't know why he gave the avid haters. Now Gareth, who admittedly has not been on an episode of Nashcast for some time now, but he despises Michael Bay like you read about, and I still struggle to find out why. And you know. Even if they break it down to these, you know, the slow motion helicopter shots and the explosions and stuff, and my thing is like, well, what's wrong with that? It's an action movie. It'd be kind of not much of an action movie if you didn't have explosions and slow motion helicopter shots and slow motions of people getting out of cars and stuff like that. It's like, what do you? I, I really don't get the hate against him, um, but I, as I understand it, it did start quite uh, a few years back. We're talking about uh, okay. Bad Boys era as well. See, I don't know. I mean, I, I love the Bad Boys films. Yeah, and, Bad and Boys, then, Rock, Armageddon. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay, well, for me, this is where people started to really, like... Well, I noticed that people started to take digs in him. Indeed. Um, was, is, is after this film. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'll hit you with a few facts and figures. How's that? Sure, go for it. Cool. So, uh, first off, running time for... Um, this film, two hours and 24 minutes. And surprisingly, uh, did not, feel, well, for me, did not feel that long at all. It's a whole one minute longer than the original, or not the original, <laughs> but the last film. The 2007. Yeah, 2007. Not the 86, yeah. 
Yeah, and for me, it felt like it was about four hours longer. Um, <laughs> but that was just me, clearly. Um, uh, whereas the first film is in the top 500 on IMDb, this film is in the top 5,000. Um, again, I don't know where, um, but it uh, uh, obviously isn't uh, ranked as highly as its predecessor. Mm-hmm. Um, IMDb rating. Do you want to take a, a, a guess at the average rating for this film? <laughs> uh, six. 6.4. 6. You were spot on the first time. I'm just saying, no, I don't have it up. I've got Twitter up at the moment. <laughs> oh, you're actually going to say, you know, that could be because you're looking at it on your... No, I'm not, I was I am, I literally just was about to load it up, but Twitter was already open, so... But yeah, uh, it's a 6. It's a 6. God yeah, two hundred fifty-eight thousand people. Voted. And um, I'm trying to remember from it's only twenty-four hours ago. What was uh, what was the first film? That was uh, seven, I think. Seven point or... seven point two. Okay, so they were like, yeah, it's it's worse than the first one. Yes, they were. They, uh, <laughs> they uh, the majority of people are correct. <laughs> well, uh, well, how many? How many people did... I'm going to try and get some figures to you. How many people um, put in the rating in Transformers 2 compared to 1? 258,246 users when I checked this yesterday. Uh, uh, for versus, uh, Revenge of the Fallen? Yeah, for Revenge of the Fallen. Okay. Versus, um, I believe it was 400 and something thousand for the first film. Okay, well, so half the votes... Well, maybe, maybe 60%, but it's probably because 60% less people went to see it. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Okay. Although, although I did make a lot more money. We'll get into that in a second. Um, oh. the, the, the meta score with all the critics was a 35 out of 100 versus the first film, which was a 62 out of 100. So this is also the point where, obviously, critics just lost interest in the franchise or started really taking a knock at it. Wait a minute. Let me rate this and let's see if it changes any of the results. It's not going to change it. <laughs> Sadly, dude. <laughs> Unless you can rate it like a hundred out of ten, it ain't gonna make a difference. <laughs> nah, no, it's done nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Cool. Uh, production budget. Hmm. You remember what? You remember what the what it was for the first film? Uh, one hundred and fifty mil. Yeah. Good memory. Well <laughs> thanks, done, sir. Thanks. Yeah. Probably twenty four hours ago, but still, <laughs> I applaud you. Thank you. That was uh, <laughs> that, that was a bit of a hot moment for me. I felt. I felt. Problems uh, under, under, under pressure. Yeah, yeah, under pressure. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, production budget for this one: two hundred and fifty million. Okay, an extra whole. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can see where that went as well. So, really, I can. No, I, I, I can. I can, I can see where the where the budget went. <laughs> I'm I not down wish. the toilet. <laughs> yeah, it was in there. Uh, worldwide gross: eight hundred and thirty-six million. Okay. Um, so it's made, it made a little over a hundred million more than the first one. Um, cost a little more than a, or cost a hundred million more than the first one. Um, in the U.S., it took in four hundred and two million. Um, so that was about seventy, no, eighty, about eighty, eighty million more. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it seemed to do okay. You know, money-wise, which is why they keep on making them. Um, you know, they you you do all your Hollywood does what makes money, which is why we can get other good films. Um, yeah. Which is not to say this is a bad film, but 
Well, in my eyes, it wasn't a great film. <laughs> okay, well, uh, shall we delve into some of the the good bad points of uh, from well each perspective, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, uh, remind me again what you rated this film. Eight. Okay. <laughs> and you were like four, I think. Four point five. Four point five. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Quite a con, which is a little unusual for us. It's not like unheard of, but. Generally, it seems to be becoming more a bit of a more uh, regular occurrence. With I think recent films within the last like year or so, it does. But the older sort of films, like a couple of years ago, not so much. I don't think. But well, I, if you take Marvel out of the equation, I still think it's kind of rare. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. You tell me what you like so much about this. Right. I gotta skim through some of my notes here because I've mixed up with good and bad, but and a lot of it seems to be bad so far. <laughs> um, okay, one I, I, like, I like I said in the the first Transformers film, I liked the the balance of interaction between uh, Transformers machine and stuff and the human world thing. I could have done a little less with the, the the continuing love plot thing of uh, Sam and Michaela, to be sure, like everyone else, to be sure. But uh, I thought it was it was okay. I mean, let's look at the the opening sequence to start off with before we get into the uh, the the mechanics of uh, the human relationships and stuff. Just like uh, the opening or the the scene when uh, the first thing that I think to when it's Revenge of the Fallen is. Uh, Sam, when he finds that he's on the phone to Michaela and he, she's all like, oh, I'm breaking up with you. He's like, really? Doesn't sound convincing. Could have done without that for sure. But then he finds that part of the, 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 the Allspark, which I'm like, yeah. oh, how long has it been? And, you know, you, found, you find it now? If it'd be me, I'd be wearing that same, like his, you know, his lucky, you know, football jersey or whatever. I'd be wearing that every day. And I'm really yeah, but it's all, like, ripped and shredded. Did he not, like, wash it once? Or did this take place, like, the next day i don't think it no it was it was um a fair bit after no, yeah it's, yeah it's months it's months but still maybe even ripped and torn i still would have worn that shit it'd be my lucky top you know but yeah so he finds a spark and just when he drops it and um everything uh transforms and stuff and starts like <laughs> shooting the fuck out of, like the house and stuff, well with what they can the little their little pellets or whatever I mean, that scene alone was... I loved everything about that. And the comedy elements in it as well. Like, you know, when he jumps out of the window and he's just like, you know, fire! And, you know, his dad tries to do a dive but face plants the ground. <laughs> it's brilliant. And then, you know, his mum gets knocked out, which is, you know, okay, like, whatever. And then, you know, he's just like, B! And that was, like, the first, like, massive emotional response for me because you're just... Again, and the music's probably a big part of that, which, as we discussed music uh the original score and stuff has a massive impact on films when it comes to me personally so you know you've got that bit of uh it's only a small bit of drama but it's just a massive action scene and when sam's all like b and he just comes like <laughs> plays his way out of the garage and just starts shooting the fuck out of the house and everything and the the garden destroyed to, to you know to get rid of all the uh the mini decepticons as they were and then like it's told off for doing <laughs> what he was supposed to do i loved that and um so i like little moment you know little moments like that i i find really great the, the things that happen directly after that 
I despise, like when, you know, Sam's like talking to me about going to college and, uh, you know, you've got Michaela whilst this is happening, undressing and dressing again and stuff. Very cool. Very, you know, very rare. Do you see girlfriends doing that for the guys these days? That sort of like putting that much into a relationship when they're about to depart for uh, college or whatever. So I kind of like the mechanics and the, the chemistry on the human side of it at this point. But like when Sam's in the uh, the garage saying to B, oh yeah, I've got a, I'm going to college. I'm not taking you with me. You got to go back and go back with the other bus, whatever. And he starts crying and shit. And I'm like, come on. That was almost. That was actually worse than when he peed on Simmons in you know the first film. Yeah, I, I will. I will agree with you there. And I will agree with you that the kind of as you as the film starts to open. Um, you know, the well, for me, the nostalgia of the first film and the enjoyment that I had in that carries over into this one. Um, there is, it is a <laughs> massive plot hole where he just got a piece of the Allspark that just happens to... to drop on, on yeah, that particular it, it day. Just, yeah, it, it, it must have fallen out of Megatron like when he was pushing into his chest, it just happened yeah. to catch into his pocket or something. Yeah, and, um, uh... and there is, there is also, uh, Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm misunderstanding it, but as I understand it, you know, the the cube is um, it's not inherently good or evil. It just is. So it has to do with the uh, who's using it. Whether you get uh, a Decepticon or you get an Autobot, you know, whether you, who, what, what what kind of robot you get. Right. Um, because just... it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't think for itself. It it just is. So it, like, if the Autobots have got it, then the 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 Transformers that it would. Uh, produce would be good guys and if the decepticons were using it then the robots that they would produce would be decepticons bad guys no <laughs> then well so what it just decides it's a potluck it just sticks a finger up and it's like the wind is blowing southeast <laughs> today so i'm going to produce a prick <laughs> no my understanding of it is I'm not, and i could be wrong and if anybody is please um correct us at nashcastpod uh, J- at gmail.com J- uh, yeah jd over at intercession yeah. film he will know he can correct us on yeah this. nashcastpod at gmail.com let us know but my understanding is that um because i explained this relatively in the first one that everything modern culture everything technology technology based is based off megatron which they found and stuff so everything like comes from him that's how they, you know, we, uh, in this storyline, this is how we advanced so far so quickly with uh, technology and stuff. But it all came from the the basis of Megatron, Decepticon. So everything has like a like a Decepticon blueprint or imprint or something on it. So the Allspark, when it does like have contact, like in the first film towards the end, you know, the, um, uh, which he, uh, is it when the, the I can't remember what it was, but oh yeah, he drops the all spark or something, or falls over, whatever. And there's a yeah, yeah, yeah the Xbox, yeah, the Xbox, the vending machine, the car. It all turns evil because all of this is based on Megatron, who is Decepticon. Whereas if it was a different scenario where it was um, like say technology based on Autobots, would probably be fine. Take for example the phone when they put it in the case and they 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 charge the cube engine into it it turns evil and tries to destroy everybody and get out of the box and stuff it's evil because it's all based on megatron um that's that's really that's really silly then they should just destroyed it like once the autobots get there should just been like we don't want to protect it or keep it safe if the entire world's technology is now based off of evil they should just destroy it well but anyway that's uh no because like optimus wanted it to like try and restore life to his planet cybertron but I was willing to go to the the extra point of saying to Sam is like if I fail, 
stick it in my chest. Assuming that Sam would just be there following around the entire city where he's been knocked around block to block. And like, just waiting for him to go, Sam, put the cube in my chest. And um, yeah. do it. But okay. conveniently, he was there to do it. But <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay. but yeah, that's my general understanding of it because everything is based on Megatron's technology. It has that imprint of Decepticon, which is evil. That's why there was never any, uh, you know, you never got any kind of like pulse from the spark to turn things into good uh, Autobot sort of uh, machinery or Transformers or whatever. So, okay. Uh, I accept that. Thank cool. you. Cool. All right. No worries. Um, um, so back to the second yeah. film. Yeah, yeah. So that that all happens, the thingy with the, the, the sliver of the spark. You get your little Decepticon minions that are running around. Uh, I liked when Bumblebee just comes like barreling through and starts shooting the fuck out of the house, like you said. Yeah. Um, I liked that he'd lost his voice again. No, I didn't. I did. Because that, after, I mean, could you imagine like if he was coming out and Sam's just like, yeah, look, I've got to talk to you. I'm, I'm going to college. And he's just like, I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. And I mean, come on, that well, one. Well, no, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't have said that, though. I mean... He would only for... use the radio for communication. If he could talk, he wouldn't use the radio. Yeah, so if, if he could have talked, maybe he just would have said, like, oh, well, you know... Fuck I'll you. Fuck you, then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, because he was generally upset, and I think... I get that he was... I didn't... But like you said, I didn't think that that scene needed to be in it. That's, for me, that's where um, the script started to lose its... its uh, well, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, authenticity, vibrance. Right. Um, it, it had because, I mean, if you just look at the, like, the construct of that scene, he, you know, he jumps out the window, his dad hits the deck, his mom runs into a pottery plant. <laughs> and then, yeah, as you said, he's just like, Bee! and he comes like <laughs> blasting out of the garage. So shooting the fuck out of the place. And then he's just like, dude, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You know, this is my house. He's like, but you, yeah. you had genuine yeah. panic in your voice. You, you called for, for help. You were and in then peril. That, that, yeah. <laughs> and then that is um, that character, uh, Sam, throughout well, the rest of the franchise for the two films. Hmm. Where he's just like, you know, I, it, I deserve respect and I want to be part of this, but it's not my problem. I don't want to be part of this, but I want to be part of it. But I don't want to be part of it. Give him my car. No, I don't want to be part of your war. No, but I like my car. You know, back and forth. And that's kind of where it, well, for me, the inconsistency start coming in. Cause <laughs> well, that only happens big time between two and three. Because in two, he releases, you know, he's quite happy to give it to Bumblebee. He's like, you need to go back to the Autobots. And then when he has his meeting with Prime and he's all like, you know, Sam, we need your help. And Sam's like, yeah, it's not my war anymore. I don't want anything to do with it. That's pretty much it until three when they don't want him and he's like but what about me i used to be so big and i did i changed the i helped and i want to be important again and yeah we we can we can we can touch upon that later which we will do Um, when we hit three but um yeah just i I think for me at that point that certain things or or many things stopped hmm. working um but i'll give you the opening of the movie that was that was cool but I, i disagree on um bumblebee not being able to talk conveniently again i mean there are other I like Transformers that. in the films that have the ability to talk and they just don't say anything. Yeah, so but he could have yeah, had the ability and just it that he was still having because obviously they explained in the first one that his vocal box or whatever got damaged in. But then at the some end, sort of battle. It was fixed. Yeah, because he got knocked in the right way, but obviously he then knocked himself again or something or bumped into something that's like knocked it out of place because he, they did say because 
Michaela's uh, all like, you know, I was used to long troubles talking and Sam is like, you know, yeah, for some bullshit or whatever and, and stuff. So it was a nice... I just think, like, if they, if, they, if if the voice worked at the end of the first film, it was an epic voice, then they probably would have kept it. But I, I imagine... I mean, I could be wrong again. JD, help us out if you know. But I imagine there's probably... A lot of people were just like, "What the fuck? That's what Bumblebee sounds like." Right, I wish to stay with the boy. I mean, come on. Yeah, but but the thing is, it was like it was, it was one line that you can't. I don't know. You can't. I don't think it could be. Yeah, I mean, they could change. I just, I just think he could have. He could have just said a couple of standard things in there because the, the whole thing from the radio of like. I I liked having the silent protector though, the one who's like, everything. So then he could have. So then he could have just chosen to be silent, rather than, conveniently, he's been injured again. in exactly the same way that means he's got to talk through his radio again. Well, for all we know, between one and two, he had a, a, a skirmish with a, another Decepticon that damaged his vocal cords again. Yeah, or for all we know, between one and two, he took a massive um, blast of Decepticon jizz down his throat and he <laughs> couldn't talk anymore. I mean... <laughs> okay, well, let's let's get off the uh, the vocal thing so I don't think we can find any ground there. But okay, yeah, no, so the next positive thing, um, I and I love this, and I know for for someone like probably yourself, it wouldn't like hold much weight. Um, but for me, the introduction of my favorite Decepticon, which I had hoped would be in the first film, but wasn't. But the introduction to the second film, the way that it was done, loved it. Soundwave, loved him coming into it, just like gliding through the stars and. Um, I believe they got the same guy to do the voice from the original too, and you know he's uh, in a way. I mean, he's like the the chief sort of communications officer and whatnot. But it, you kind of get the impression that he's. I mean, he he does order the, the Decepticons. He coordinates where to go and stuff. And at this point, you're like, I would have thought Starscream would be in, in charge, and he kind of is. But throughout, like the first half of the film. Um, Starscream doesn't really do much. It's all Soundwave. He's the one that you know rapes the satellite in orbit and uh, finds out the location of you know not only the Allspark but the remains of Megatron. And he's the one that coordinates all the Decepticons to go here, to go there, do this, do that, and stuff. And I I love Soundwave ever since the the cartoon series and and the movie and stuff. And in this, he's he's my favorite Decepticon of all time. So okay. Sadly, the film might not be constructive, but the film gets some points just because it's Soundwave. Just because he's there. All yeah. right. And the Fair and we launches um, Ravage as well because it's like there's a bit of a nod to the whole like he had various cassettes that used to come out. You had like Ravage, Rumble, Laserbeak, and um, I'm sure I'm missing one. Damn it, that's going to annoy me later. But those were the three key ones anyway. And uh, and that was it. So Ravage, you know, launches out. It was cool seeing Ravage. That was done really well. And how he infiltrates the uh, the facility to get to the uh, the what remains of the All Spark. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, and then leading on from that, when they discover the location of Megatron, they uh, they send in uh, the other Decepticons to go throw him out. And and it was I really liked the the underwater scene when there's a whole bunch of them down there and the the doc the yeah the doc Decepticon guys just like you know I need parts or whatever and he's like oh that one and they just rip that transformer to pieces <laughs> and they use parts from it and everything which obviously is a, a build up to what happens later in the film yeah and 
yeah, I really enjoyed that. And as like, and and how Megatron, how like using the different parts, how it like changed Megatron as well. Because before he was like a Cybertronian jet Megatron. That yeah, now it. he's a now he's now like a, tank. a Cybertronian tank jet type thing as well. So yeah, I I really enjoyed that. And that was also sort of like I don't know if they were, I can't remember if it was the Decepticons that did it, but that was also around about the time of the introduction of the um the uh constructicons who were also my like my second favorite bunch of decepticons and i'm pretty certain it was because you, you see when there are all the uh, the big heavy duty vehicles on the ship and stuff you see the decepticon signs they they were like constructicon vehicles so i'm under the impression that it was them that jumped off the ship to go and get megatron and that's yeah. good the constructicons that obviously build up later on in the movie and form devastator um, they're awesome. They are awesome. They're a couple of dodgy moments I don't like about it, but yeah, we'll cover a couple that of things in a that, bit, that sure. swing around that. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. That did not need to be there at no, all. No, it really did. <laughs> um, I'll out of all that scene, sticking with the positive, I'll give you um, the, the the ripping up of that one Decepticon to rebuild uh, um, Megatron was. Um, it just showed like the the complete lack of empathy or care for each other. Where it's like whatever, just rip them apart. Yeah, it's all cool. Yeah, um, and and where they even all the Decepticon was just like no 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 don't do it. But they yeah. were just like ruthless and relentless and just they were like fuck you. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it kind of highlights like a massive flaw in like the plans of well humanity and the Autobots and stuff. Where they're like, what do we do with this uh, completely evil? Um, Robot. Oh, we'll just drop him in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, well, they did say that they'd um, they figured that um, they said at the end of the first movie. I think they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah they the they did assume the that it would stuff. crush him to pieces and that there would be nothing left for him to yeah, be but, recovered. Yeah, I mean, but... the thing is, if you can if you can survive like flight through space. Yeah. Where. Why not try know, and put him in like a, a pit of molten lava stuff? Lava. Yeah. Well, why he... not just like. What's the best way of yeah. dissolving his uh, so he can't come back? <laughs> yeah, or like, should we just like disassemble him? How about we like rip him into like tiny little shreds? Yeah. Uh, I mean, anyway. <laughs> put him through a, a paper shredder. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Um, well, but car- then when they, when, when, when they rise up and they just demolish that aircraft carrier, that oh, was awesome. Yeah, and the submarine as well, like how they knock that yes. and it goes launching out of the water. That was pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was very cool. Um, um, carrying on with the kind of the plot, avoiding some of the bad stuff because I'm obviously we will because I've got a ton of bad stuff that I did not like about the movie. Which when I go through, you'll be like, "Well, that kind of outweighs the good." So, how did you give it an eight? But no, I've I've already we'll figured out there. how you've given it an eight uh, based okay. on what you said. I've I've already I've narrowed in on it. Um, the next sort of like uh, part of the movie where big points for me is the action scenes that follow when uh, not Michaela Sam gets kidnapped by Starscream and Megatron and stuff. And that whole action sequence that follows afterwards when Optimus and Bumblebee and everyone intervene and um, bust them out, as it were, and leading into the, the fight in the forest between Optimus and, like, every single Decepticon. No, not all There's of only them. only three of them. Yeah, I know, yeah. But three's enough. That Like, it's Optimus. You know, he, had, he struggled to fight Megatron at the end of the first film, just one-on-one. And admittedly, he'd only battled 
okay, if you go by the whole like uh, collaborative story, he did fight Bone Crusher, then Barricade, then Megatron. But by the time he met Megatron, he seemed to be undamaged, unhinged, and no problems. But this, he decided to take on three at the same time because it was Megatron, Starscream, and I can't remember the name of the other chopper. It wasn't Blackout because they took him out, but there was another chopper Decepticon. We'll call him Chopper. And we'll call him Dead Chopper. Dead Chopper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and uh, just, again, you've got the music in the back going, and it's just like, and Prime just will not quit. It's just constantly where he's just like, run, Sam, and even when he's getting his ass kicked, and Megatron's all like, oh, I'm going to shit in your face, and Optimus is like, I'll take you all on, and, you know, he's got both swords out of his arms and stuff, and just, you know, fucking the shit out of them, takes off Starscream's arm, and fucks up the chopper and that does quite a bit a fair bit of damage to Megatron as well and pretty soon he impels him at one point yeah I mean there, there is a there's a particular point in that in. fight where he's got the upper hand yeah. and he is you know when he's just like oh, I'll take you because he, he had the orchestra on so his side think, but then he, but, yeah but then he but then he stops and he like turns to Sam and he's like Sam run uh, you know why I don't know I liked I liked the majority of that fight mostly because I could follow what was going on um, but I thought it was an epic fight and then it just seems like the 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 climax of that fight him losing the fight was written into the script just to have him die or yeah, just to have him die well because as, moment, as a as a, I don't, as a, as a warrior protector type thing i get you know like him having putting you know having attention on sam but yeah. at the same time turning his back on optimus and the guys and yeah, I does get, more harm than it does good. I do think that, but I think it was... I mean, maybe he didn't realise... See, well, this is how I justify it, and I shouldn't be, but it's like maybe he thought another Decepticon came down and swooped him up. Because Sam's been running, he didn't know. So when he, he does turn his back, which, yeah, floor one, should have done that, because he's all like, Sam, where are you? And then Megatron's like, ha-ha, and like, then impels him from behind... And then blast like uh, his um, core matrix out, whatever it is, <laughs> just blows his load, and then Optimus falls over, and that's pretty much it. But yeah, and most people probably would have been like, "Well, he had the upper hand. If he just kept kicking ass, then cool." But yeah, I I, I kind of like, well, maybe he was just trying to find out where Sam was. Like, was he still there? Has a Decepticon come and swooped him up and fucked off, or or whatever? But that's still the epic moment. Yeah, but then. I mean, I've got like I probably just def- I probably defend it too much because I have like really fond memories of you know that thing when you watch something you're like oh that's that and it touches you and you're like oh that that's um, epic or whatever yeah but then when you watch it with someone else who's watching it for the first time it has like double the inf- impact on you again kind of like if well, I guess off depending that on their reaction to it. Yeah, I guess, and I, 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 maybe I had this kind of thing because I remember I went to cinema to see this, and when that happened, when Optimus gets that, in, when he gets impaled and blown to pieces and stuff, and he literally just like collapses and he's just falling to pieces and stuff, and it's a bit of a slow motion, bit of music and stuff. It's like holy shit, I can't believe that happened. I was like, holy fuck, I can't believe they just did that in the film. And at this point watching films i would i never like thought ahead thinking oh but they're gonna bring him back somehow it wasn't even thinking of that i was in the moment that was it and then a few days later on i went to see it with my folks and it's very rarely do my parents have any reaction to movies especially when it well more so when it comes to um in the theater uh at the cinema but 
the moment like Megatron like stabbed Optimus from behind, I heard my mum gasp, and I was like, "Oh shit!" And then when Megatron like fires his cannon and stuff, and he just like the camera goes sideways when uh, Optimus falls and stuff, and uh, his um, eyes just kind of like die out. I swear, my mum had her, her hand over her mouth and she was, like, really tearful and stuff. And I looked over and I was like, holy shit. I was like, you're right. And she just kind of, like, nodded slowly. And and that had, like, more of an effect on me as well. And I was just like, damn, it's not just me this, that got the impact of that scene. It's not about, like, what happens later on or before whatever. It's like being in the moment of the film. that, And that's why I still kind of defend it. Even though it was completely stupid for him to be like, Sam, where are you? And, hello? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's like, oh, I, I, I forgot I, about Megatron for a minute. So, you know, yeah. But... I, I get you kind of getting lost in the scene and, and, and yeah. that emotional whole thing. Um, the only last thing I will say there, and I'm, I'm not trying to kind of shit all over your uh, your My defense experience. of this, but no, he fine. does say, like, and I guess it happens in in a lot of other films as well, where, like, the main hero or the, the protagonist or, or a good guy and stuff is just like, uh, you know, run, get out of here, go. And then in the very next scene, they're like, where are you? Where'd you go? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. which again, in this one kind of affair where he's like, Sam, run. And then like a minute later, he's like, Sam, where did you go? Well, yeah. you told him to go. So if he actually did leave, he's only doing what you said to do. Um, yeah. And then there's that like thing in it. And I think maybe it just could have been cut together. or could There could have been like in the first film, there could have been a, a scene, you know, when he, he fights um. um uh, on the on the uh, on the highway where he has that fight and he doesn't show uh, up. Bone Crusher, yeah, yeah, Bone Crusher. Um, and the second one, they could have shown where the other Autobots were when he was taking on Starscream and Megatron and the others because they're obviously off having their own fights um, mm. and then conveniently just come right after he gets killed. Mm. That did, that, so did, like, that does still annoy me a little bit because it's like at the very least, Bumblebee is with Optimus when they drop through the roof and they storm and they save Sam and Michaela. Yeah. And then they Michaela and Sam jump into Bumblebee and we, we assume that he would just sort of like drive off to get away from them whilst Optimus Prime distracts them and stuff. But then Bumblebee shows up with the rest of them like Ratchet and Ironhide, which is what obviously makes Megatron and Starscream flee and fuck off. And then they're like, oh, Optimus has fallen. But it's like... Why is Bumblebee gone? I mean, did he just go? Did he obviously? Okay, I guess I've kind of explained it myself. He must have gone off to regroup with the Autobots, the rest of them, and then go back with them to help out Prime. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just I don't understand that. If the prime objective, no pun intended, was to protect <laughs> these two particular people, and and <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and and Sam in particular, then you get them in the car, and then you get out of there. Yeah. Well, yeah, you would have thought, and like, let the other order, yeah. you know, send a message to Ironhide and Ratchet and that, being like, yo, go and Prime's over there in the, in the in the woods, go help him out, and I'll protect Sam and Michaela, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, all right, so we'll... we'll, yeah. we'll okay, moving on to another, you know, another positive then, leading against a line, and kind of does go back a little bit, but, because um, it involves, uh, is it Con- Colonel Lennox? Yeah, um, yeah, Lennox. Captain Lennox, yeah. How, yes. like a bit earlier on, obviously before Prime Falls, um, there's that moment where the shithead from the White House whatever shows up and he's all, you know... Uh, is it that film? Yeah. 
It is, because they, they basically throw him out of a plane towards the end. I'm trying to think. Oh, that's an epic moment. The opening of the film of like the whole thing in Shanghai. Yeah. That is brilliant as well. Great opening. And I love it when they're like, you know, yeah, we need big boy or bad boy or whatever it is. And they just open up the ramp and Optimus rolls out and parachutes in and kicks the fuck out of that tire. <laughs> so sort of like, any last words, tire? And yeah, that's a great scene. But um, yeah, when... Um, yeah, the guy from the White House shows up and starts like the debate type thing, and he's all like, you know, look, if we ask you to leave, will you go? Because you know they're fucked off that they won't give them their technology and all that bullshit, even though all of you uh, technology is based on Megatron anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, and he's all like, yeah, if we if you, we ask you to leave, will you go? And Optimus just like gets face to face. He's like, yeah, well, you know, we will do so if you if your president requests it. But ask him this: what if you are wrong? And a great moment. And then to go, you know, the comedy moment after that, like later on in the plane, when Lennox, um, like, <laughs> when they have to, like, drop off um, Optimus. Yeah. And uh, they get him to, like, parachute off the plane, of this dickhead. It's a great moment, and it is kind of... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I did enjoy that. And of, of all the comedic moments in the yeah. film, that and, was the one that... Yeah, I'm not, yeah, and I'm not a big... Despite the fact that it does sound like I am, I'm not a big fan of the, the human element into the in these films. But I did... I do like the military side of it, and this dude... I actually preferred Lennox in this, probably more so in, in the first one. I mean, in the first one, it was funny the first time around with the whole, like, you know, I need a credit card, which pocket, back pocket. You got, like, 16 back pockets, and left cheek, left cheek, left cheek. Yeah. That was funny the first time around. After that, not so much, but... Well, they didn't, but they didn't do it again in the next film. No, I'm just saying, like, when you watch, when I watch the film, the first film again, like, the third, uh, okay, fourth, that, fifth time, that... it's not funny, but when I watch this, I still find this bit funny when, you know, this whole scene on the plane, when he's like, oh... We've got to uh, jump and whatnot, and just grab some parachute, and because probably because at the same time when he's talking to him, I see the scene in my head from Finding Nemo when the little turtles telling Nemo, uh, uh, Marlin, and Dory what they've got to do. Yeah, what to do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they and they don't understand him at all, and that's kind of like what I see in my head. And he and then he's just like and then he's just like you know you know, pull you know the the thing for the parachute and he pulls it. And he's just like, not now. <laughs> and he flies out of the plane. I still love that, even uh, even today. It's a great way of getting rid of him. Um, and obviously there's lots of stuff happening in between that. Um, where most of it, like for me, for the human side, negative, because it has to do with Sam's roommate. Um, yeah, which... Sam's roommate was unnecessary. I didn't like that. And I didn't like the introduction of the uh, T-1000. Sorry, the T-1000. Sorry, the, the yeah, team, I, that was the that, TX. Those on my list of things. I'm, I'm just like, why are all the Transformers not doing that? Or why don't they have a whole bunch of them doing that? Transform, you know, as humans, if they can do that. I, but yeah. in defense, um, I've got it here on my notes, and word for word, because you just said it, didn't like the T100, uh, no, sorry, T1000 chick, but again, Kind of forgettable once you get into the battle with Megatron and Prime. Epic scene, by the way. Great score, great action. Because that happens yes, after I... her, and she is kind of once after that. Once that scene happens and Optimus dies, you've kind of like you do kind of forget about her. Yeah, you com- you, you do. You completely forget about her. I yeah. agree. But then she still seems to rear her ugly. Well, not ugly, but because <laughs> she kind of did look 
part. Anyway, I'm not going to get to that. Um, she's, every time like people talk about the film, that still comes up. So like in the moment, you forget Does about it? it, but then yeah, when you when you when you you know any conversations I've ever had with people about Revenge of the Fallen, going over things and you're talking about it and you know the few pluses and all of the minuses, and she always comes up. Oh, that's not been my experience. Yeah. That's all. I know. Well, that, I don't think she's that attractive either. Sorry to. Okay, cool. So I, I go back to the first thing then, when she rears her ugly head. Um, but she's only in it for like one sort of scene, really. Yeah, I know, but it's. Yeah. I don't know it. It feels out of context in the in the film. I guess. Does yeah, there's a little bit. I'd um, rather it would have been more interesting if it had been instead of like a, a human transforming type thing. If it just been like a human spy that had sided with the Decepticons. Yeah. They're like, Med Decepticons like, oh, I'll, I'll help you out and try and find out what I can. And, ooh, Sam's at this college. I'll go and get some gossip information from him. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Sense. yeah. So, and then, of course, conveniently, yeah. you know, Michaela uh, shows thing that. happens to be yeah. like, yeah. you know, trying to get it on with him when Michaela comes over. And, and I, I mean, okay. It didn't, didn't like that. And that happens to coincide with the roommate as well. And like yeah. how he starts getting more involved in in, in the film, yeah. and I don't think that was necessary either. Yeah, um, um, I don't. Well, we'll draw the negatives in a bit, um, which will uh, no doubt outweigh all my positiveness. <laughs> but um, yeah, leading on from that, it pretty much uh, I think jumps to um, the end, sort of like battle going into. Well, I can no, no. One of my one of my really for moments it's only a couple of seconds long but when they go to the museum and they find jet fire yeah and i it's really epic and because of the comedy element it doesn't really let it down for me although it should but i really enjoyed the moment when um wheelie or will jack or whatever it is, i think it's wheelie is like uh oh i i know where the transformer is over here and they follow it and stuff and then you know, without question, it's like, oh, yeah, use your, the, the shard of the Allspark or whatever, and it does and activates Jetfire. And then, shortly after that, and again, the music helps, Michaela's then sees it, the uh, Decepticon signal uh, symbol. And she's like, oh, it's a Decepticon. And there's like that moment of panic between all of them where they're like, oh, shit. But then it's quickly diffused when eventually when it transforms and farts and stuff, <laughs> they're like, okay, maybe it's not as evil as we thought. And then after following outside, they're like, you know, okay, he's he's turned to the good side, he's an Autobot. But that moment in the hangar, I'd like to have, like, I don't know, I'd like to think how different it would have been, like, if it had not been Jetfire. Maybe it was a Decepticon. Yeah. And they were like, oh, shit, we got the wrong one. But maybe Jetfire was, like, a couple of planes over or something. And then they go and activate him, and then he kicks ass with that Decepticon or something. That would have been cool, but... Yeah, that that moment of panic where you know she's like, "Oh, it's a Decepticon," and they're like, "Oh shit!" As if things can get any worse. That was a great moment, but like I said, anticlimactic. But they kind of recovered with the, I guess, the comedy. Although I do have, um, I think. No, I did. I thought. I think that the, com. I mean, we can get to it, but the comedy there wasn't necessary. It's uh, yeah. There was so yeah. Too, some of it too much to be it. done. Yeah. Well, I yeah. got I got that on my uh, my not liked list I, as well. Um, but then, kind of after that, they the whole everything to everything in Egypt, the whole battle sequence and everything. 
pretty much. I quite enjoyed that. And I know there's a lot of people out there, like yourself, who's just like, I can't tell who's fighting who. And I don't know, because normally I don't have an eye for detail, whereas you do. But in this case, it seems to be reversed. And I can clearly tell, like, Autobots, Decepticons, and who's fighting who and stuff. But you and a lot of other people just like, there's, you know, so many, don't know who's who, don't know what's going on, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Yeah, massive explosion. Typical Michael Bay stuff, the explosions, the action. Loved it. And the and the the scene between, uh, like, Michaela and Sam, you know, on the run, trying to get back to the, the front line, or the home front, um, to, to get safe to revive Optimus. I, I liked a lot of that. And... There's some again some questionable scenes in this uh throughout this action period bit. <laughs> but um but yeah, I quite liked a lot of it. You know, Ironhide at the front you know, because Lennox Ironhide became Lennox's bitch at some point in this movie because he's always with Lennox and Lennox is just like, you know, oh, Ironhide, you know, we're gonna set up a front line here and he's like, Come on, bring it <laughs> <laughs> And um and Ratchet as well. And so they do what they can to uh, to create that sort of like defensive front, and uh, and Bumblebee, as much as I don't like him, I kind of do in a way. But I, I, you know, the way that Sam's parents are like dropped off in the middle of it to coerce Sam into giving up the uh, the Matrix and stuff, and then Bumblebee's all like, you know, he just pops behind a building. He's just like, Ooh. and Sam's like, oh, okay. And then, you know, distracts the uh, Decepticon, then Bumblebee shows up, fucks him up, then fucks up Ravage, which I didn't like because Ravage, part of Soundwave and whatnot, that's uh, Yep Nub. Uh, it was uh, quite gutting for me, but I was like, yeah, fair play. Uh, yeah, it was some... a bit gutting for him as well, wasn't it? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, it was a good scene. So Bumblebee did kick ass, and that, that was pretty awesome. And then the rest of the action sequences that did follow was pretty awesome. Um, yeah, and a great, a great fight. And then again, we'll get back into the negatives, no doubt. But going, uh, jumping a bit forward, when they do uh, revitalize, revitalize, revive, Prime, Optimus. Yeah, yeah, and but the way they did it was awesome with Jetfire. He was just like, you know, Optimus, take my balls, and you know he does. And Ratchet's like linking everything up and repairing him and stuff. And then Optimus has got like, you know, the, the, the jets and the wings and stuff. And uh, he's just like all proper, <laughs> big and proper. <laughs> it was uh, an epic moment. And then after that, he fucks shit up. He's just like, Megatron is like, fuck off. Just knocks him to the side. And then the Fallen is like, you know, no, 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 you can't beat me. And then like Prime just, you know, fucking fists his chest. Or maybe up his ass through his chest. And he's all like, fuck you, and kills him like in a, in a blink of an eye. It was absolutely epic. So, and again, it's just like a, that feel good factor. Yeah, the good guys won. And then the slow motion scene of Optimus walking through the desert when he releases the jetpack and weapons and stuff. And you're like, why? You'd just become the most yeah. powerful Transformer in the universe. Why would you get rid of all that stuff? But I guess he went and yeah, picked up. Yeah, or at the very least. At the very least, like, pack it away in a suitcase to use later or something. Well, yeah, I mean, as it turns out, that is kind of what he does, because it's all in his trailer. So I guess he went back and picked it up, but... Uh, yeah. Afterwards? 
Yeah. It's yeah. just like, yeah, I need to get rid of all of this stuff so I can go give my big, like, moving speech. Yeah, so I can do my dramatic... You can't do a dramatic then... walk-up wearing a backpack and stuff. It just doesn't work. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, and then, like, yeah, good speech at the end of the movie and stuff. And it was... I, I kind of liked a lot of it. Uh, you know, it wasn't... I don't know. Maybe I had a... You would think, like, being a hardcore fan of the uh, the cartoon series in the original movie in 86, that I would be, like every other hardcore fan out there, I'd be really harsh on these movies and be like, no, they're all bullshit, they're all wrong, they've portrayed everything wrong, it's all gone to shit. But no, there's something about it, and it's not just the action either, because... No, to me, it, to me it sounds like... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, go for it. Um, what, what is it? What do you think? To me, it sounds like, um, because <laughs> listening to... The, the good points of the of the film and I agree with you on most of the good points but I think that the bad far outweighs it um, yeah. and I think possibly I would enjoy that end sequence more if I could follow what was going on but mm. I, I just I don't know why I, I just don't so then the inconsistencies in it and the things that I find silly like the swinging balls and Optimus just throwing away all of that the stuff that he's got and like okay he beats the fallen but Starscream and Megatron have gotten away, you would have thought he'd be like, one moment, be right back, and like fly off and get him and like kick their asses and then come back and yeah. think of his speech. Um, so, because I don't follow what's going on completely in that battle, I'm like, what the, what the fuck? And then stupid things happen and yeah, it takes away from it a bit. Mm. Um, but it sounds to me, based on all the things you said, like a lot of it is uh, a lot of your, your feelings about the film and the things that you liked about it, you really liked about it, are. Um, Either like tied to a really good score that was going on at the time, <laughs> yeah, probably, or nostalgia. Like you really like the fact that um, Soundwave came into it, mm. and that was like a big factor for you and huge points for that. And um, you know, a couple of other things that you've mentioned all seem to tie back to kind of like a nostalgia type thing. So it's 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 brought something to the surface for you like oh I, you know i can relate back to that or you know from watching the the series or a character that i really like back in and the fact that they brought it into this i just i give it props for that mm. and i think in your mind obviously it seems to far outweigh anything in it that was bad for you um Oh, no, because yeah. uh, no, uh, you'll hear my list of bad stuff in a second. And Well, uh, despite the bad, that that's probably why I gave it, um, yeah, like you said, um, higher scores I did because I enjoyed the action and the scene, certain scenes of, yeah, memory, the, the soundtrack. Yeah, maybe I wasn't objective about the review of this film. Well, no, but I mean, I'm not expecting you to be objective. None of us, none of us are going to be objective. I mean, I... I uh, objective. I know subjectively. I don't like it. You know, there are things about it that I that I did enjoy, but I, you're not supposed to be objective. You're supposed to give a review from from your soul. Yeah. And clearly, this movie seemed to bring out more of your soul than is usually yeah. visible. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird because when I go through the list in a minute, there's like um, what I don't like seems to probably outweigh the good, but the good is for me like so good that I can um, forgive some of the bad and like I said some of the bad I think when you watch the film is forgettable like you know when you get towards the end of the film you forget about the, the T-1000 chick transformer thing 
you, you, that's not even like a blip on the radar. That's completely forgotten about. So, as is the, I mean, I go through some stuff here. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe we don't have to go through through all of it. No, I go but... through just a quick list of what I got there, like the uh, the humor with the the family thing at the college with his mum getting high. Could have done without that. Didn't play yeah, any of that. Completely forgot that. So. Yeah, I mean, when it was. Um, uh, the start of the movie when you know when they get attacked and he's like B and he comes out of the garage and stuff, that's fine. But then, um, you know, and his mum crying over the baby booties and all that kind of stuff. I I, I got time for that. That, that. That's okay. But then, yeah, when it um, came to him going to college and her showing up and like being stoned or high or whatever it was, um, unnecessary humour that didn't need to be in there at all. Uh, the twins, the ice cream trucks, and whatever they became afterwards, completely didn't like, and quite racist as well, which didn't bother me, because I'm like, I don't particularly care when it comes to movies, but they didn't need to be in the movie, and just seemed to be there, like, oh, let's drop these things in to make the kids laugh. That's what yeah. they seemed to be about. And I, I did hear an interesting thing, I think it was from the guys over at In Session Film, maybe, or somebody. Apologies to whoever, because I've forgotten who you were. Um, that's uh, in kind of like uh, I don't know some sort of comic book, like prequel to the to the movie, or maybe it was something that explained a couple of the things more in depth. Like these two characters were like quite heavily tortured by the Decepticons or something, hmm. so it explained why they're a bit off. I was like, like taking that into account, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, but, but they don't need to be all like, they, you know, gangster and kind of hip and or trying to be whatever they were trying to be and stuff. That seemed like completely unnecessary. It just yeah, seemed like I, they, I, they... I mean, have that kind of character, or those characters in there, where, yeah, they've been transformed. Okay, look at, just quickly, 30 seconds. Gollum. He was like, in Lord of the Rings, tortured by the orcs and all that kind of stuff, but... He didn't come out all gangster and hip and stuff and being like, oh, yeah, hobbits, yeah, come and check out the ring with me, yeah, innit? Yeah, but he does <laughs> two completely different universes. There is nothing in... Yeah, but still, even, in, uh, uh, even if they were... In, in, even middle, if they in were, middle Earth, that... Yeah, but even if they like were that. tortured by, by the Decepticons, uh, I mean, that, that kind of, like... Okay, it makes sense yeah, but, a little know, bit I mean, to the aggression as to why they fight with each other, but why are they gone all gangster with the gold teeth and stuff and trying to maybe, go hip-hop they, and um, almost dropping maybe, maybe, the, the end bombs and stuff? Maybe when they got... Maybe when they were being tortured, they were forced to watch Ali G. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the twin, throughout the whole thing, um, uh, yeah, I couldn't stand them like from start to finish, and... Kind of glad they weren't in the third, but then equally they were re- replaced in the third by something else. Um, what else didn't I like? Um, I didn't like... Did someone that? Yeah, that's forgettable. Oh, right. Before I get into the old Transformers, one, I don't... I, I really despise, and they've done it from two, three, and four, as I believe, but the Decepticons, they've got them, like, constantly drooling and stuff. They've got, like moisture or some sort of liquid like coming out of their mouths all the time and i really do not like that in the first one they didn't have it the second one every time starscream talks or megatron talks they're like spitting fluids and stuff and it's like what the fuck is going on there um and then that leads me into like the old transformers kind of like three as well but in two 
I really don't like the fact that older Transformers have got this, you know, this beard thing going on, which is yeah. conveniently mechanical. I mean, yeah, Jet, I'm with you Jetfire kind of started it, and then when you come around to like three, where you've got all these older Transformers, they've all got these mechanical beards and stuff, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? I really despise that, but again, no, I'm I'm, I'm with you. It's done to try and humanize them, or, or you know, make yeah. them more. You know, that's more relatable, but it's it's unnecessary. I, I mean, again, I think I, I think that's something directed at kids. They could have just had like, like I don't know, a, a light on their fucking chest that says if the light's blue, they're you know a hundred years or less, and if the light's orange, they're you know yeah. well, older than a hundred years. I, I figured they would like cover that in like just voice and mannerisms, like with Jetfire. If he like kind of you know a bit rusty and stuff, and he struggled to get around a little bit, you'd get the impression he's old. You don't need to give him a big and the voice as well. Sounds yeah. old. You don't need to give him a fuck off beard for it as well. And with loads of, like I said in the later films, they do the same thing. And I, yeah, completely unnecessary. I also did not like. Oh yeah, I did think a bit far fetched, and I I was not too keen on the whole thing of um the the, the general plot. The fallen, who again had a beard. Um, and the fact that, you know, oh, it just so happened. Because in the first film that I, I played the intro to you earlier on, it's all like, you know, oh, and then the Allspark fell on this planet called Earth. And it's like, you know, it's the first time I discovered it. But then, no, number two opens up, and it's like, turns out, millions of years ago, ah, oh, the Transformers were at Earth millions of years ago, mining and doing something and... We built pyramids and shit, or whatever they did and stuff. And yeah, I didn't like the fact that they felt that they needed to have a previous connection. Yeah, no, I, I, I they could have just they, they could have easily the, have done a thing with the fallen being a character who goes around destroying suns and stuff, and his next conquest was Earth's son. But he knew that there was a prime there, and he's afraid of primes because only a prime can kill him, apparently. That would have worked in fine, but to have this backstory of that, oh, they were there millions of years ago, uh, kind of made me think, like, I don't know, it's pretty pretty thin. Yeah, I, 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 found, I find that that, uh, that uh, but that goes into, like, for me, the, probably the, one of the biggest flaws of the film is, is um, the script. It's very confusing because of all of that stuff. Yeah. Mostly, it's like, you know, you, I think, yeah, between that and the, the Matrix of Leadership and Sam's near-death experience where he's a time travels and... In Transformer sees, Heaven instead of Human yeah, Heaven. <laughs> yeah, instead of Human Heaven and has a, a nice conversation with all the primes and then, you know, so the Matrix of Leadership responds to him and it rematerializes in his hand because now he's got the powers of the gods or something like that. I, 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 it, it's very confusing. I didn't follow it and because of that... It loses points. No, I can. Um, um, but um, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on the well. First off, on the whole beard thing, um, and that's like constant having to link it back to something that happened in the past. And I mean, we'll get we'll get into it when we go on to like three and four. But that's also where it's weak for those films as well. Where <laughs> you listen to the intro, that that intro that you. I've got for the first episode that we did. Mm. Sorry, excuse me. Sorry. <clears throat> Frog in the old throat. 
Um, where it's like, you know, everything began with the cube. And then the, the cube, cube was lost. And it arrived on Earth. Yes. But it turns out we were on Earth before. And we were on the moon. And we were around when the dinosaurs went And extinct. we were on Mars. <laughs> yeah, and we were on Mars. And it's like, well, so did it begin with the cube? Or is it all about the leader of Matrix? Yeah. Or is it the fact that, you know, you guys had a prime that went rogue? Or is it because of something else? Like, just have a bit more cohesion, like... Yeah. See, if it had been me, I would have been like, okay, have the Fallen and have him going around destroying um, stars and all that kind of stuff and solar systems or whatever for Energon or whatever the fuck he was doing it for. But I was like, not, don't have this, you know, they came to Earth and they taught them how to build pyramids and stuff. My thing would be like, um, have maybe modern, not, maybe not like necessarily modern day, but like in the last, I don't know, 100 years, like, have a bit of yeah. a flashback of maybe, like, the Constructicons, like, digging into a pyramid and building the device in preparation for the Fallen's arrival in, however, you know, 80 years or whatever. And yeah. say in modern time where, you know, he's going to arrive, but they don't know where because they don't know where, you know, this array thing conveniently has been hidden. Yeah. And, but, and that, or they could have tied things into it, like, okay, so let's say... um so, like you said, they came here 100 years ago or 150 years ago. Or, yeah. It's going to be a little bit further than that for, you know, in terms of when the pyramids were constructed and stuff. Or quite a lot longer than that. Well, yeah, um, I mean, well, for the pyramids, but like I said, they could have, like, yeah. dug into the pyramid and then, or, like, like deconstructed it, built this thing, and then rebuilt the pyramid sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, true. Because it's only on um, the top bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, they could have, like, tied that into why it is that the cube ended up on Earth. You know, so rather than the cube just happened to randomly fall to Earth. Well, like it was attracted maybe, there? Yeah, it was It was drawn to it because, I don't know, it sensed the primes or something like that because the primes, you know, encased themselves in their own tomb or whatever and sacrificed themselves. And maybe it was drawn to that, you know, the remnants of that great power. And, and that's what drew it there. So it ties the things together mm. rather than it just be like, oh, well, for this movie, we'll bring this up from, you know, however many thousands of years ago. And that's because they came there. They it, Just a bit more cohesion to it i think would have been been interesting hmm. um but i think that stems into um like the fact that and and that the script was written in like three weeks okay because of the writer strike that was going on oh, um was that around that time yeah it was around that time so they like threw this thing together and it kind of feels like it where you know it's and i don't mean this in a good way where it's like a roller coaster ride um, because there are some parts of it that are entertaining and you know and, and good, and I can, you know, uh, give give the film that and give like the points that you brought up. But they they are enjoyable, but then it takes massive dips throughout, and it's like, you know, they're forced to throw this thing together so quickly. Didn't really know where to go with it, and then of course, I don't know. You would think like the studio would be like, okay, well, you know, there's a big strike that happened or something. Um, let's give them a couple more months to finish writing the script, you know, rather than having to start filming right on this deadline and rush through it. Mm. Um, I think the film suffered because of it, because of of of, of that. Yeah. I, that I, stuff. I generally think that. I mean, like I said, there, there there is a lot of yeah negative sort of points in the film, but um, I don't want to sound like too contradictory here because, like I said, normally. You know, I, I can be, I guess, easily pleased when it just comes to a good action flick. 
but I do like a bit of story and substance to it at the same time. And yeah, maybe I am a bit swayed because of um, nostalgia and general action and stuff. But I think a lot of, for me, a lot of the things I don't like are easily, like I said earlier on, they're easily forgettable once you get to the action bits. Like the college thing with the T-1000 chick, you know, I, I can, when I'm watching it, the moment that the battle starts when Sam gets captured and Optimus comes in to save the day in that scene when he die, you know, gets crushed, um, I've forgotten about the T-1000 chick. And then all the other bad things after that, when they do the end battle bit, all of that gets forgotten about as well. So I think all the bad bits for me are easily forgettable. Maybe because of the action? I don't know. Um, okay. I've never really had that kind of experience with a an action film or a Michael Bay film before, I don't think. So uh, and I do know I am one of the few people that really enjoys this film. And a lot of people that I've spoken to that uh, disagree with me do have the same sort of points that you do. Um, I don't know. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let you have your nostalgic 8 out of 10. Because uh, generally speaking... Um... Well, we agree on films, and I think you should have this one. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I still think you're wrong, but I'll let you have it. <laughs> I think that's the first film you've given me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll give it to you. Um, I don't really think there's much else I can say like about you know points in the film that I did or didn't enjoy beyond what you've mentioned. Um, I do think, and you know, outside of the you know certain Transformers or the uh, Optimus, Bumblebee, and various things. Um, um, my any any feelings of um, enjoyment that came from the characters of Sam Witwicky and Michaela were lost by the end of this film because I started to find them really really annoying. Oh, so but, I I really enjoyed their story and stuff, and when they're running through the desert in slow motion at the end, it's like, come on, run! Did you not have that? Yeah, and the whole no, I didn't. I well, okay, a little bit in the moment of it, but. You know, all of the, uh, I just, I don't know, it didn't, it, the, the characters didn't develop, didn't develop enough. Like, you've gone through this huge, emotional, intense kind of whole first film and stuff like that, and they've gotten together, and they're all hooked up, and then the second film is all about who's going to say I love you first, for their particular yeah, story. Yeah, I could have done without a bit of that. I mean, I, I get where they were trying to come from with that, but... Um, I don't know, it's like by the time they, like when they started that off earlier on with the whole like, you know, oh, let's have a date thing and I'm breaking up with you because you can't say it and all that kind of stuff, that's fine. But when they're in the desert and they're like wanted fugitives, I don't get why Sam doesn't just like grow a pair of man up and be like, you know what? Yeah, I love you. Yeah. He'd be like, I love you too. And then they can run in the desert in slow motion. That's all fine. But, yeah, and, with and, the hair flowing and yeah, yeah. But you, you don't need the whole uh, Michaela at the end of it, like being like, "Oh, you've got to come back because I love you." And then the Prime is being like, "We give you the power of life." Somehow, you know, in, in some Christ mystical way. You. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly like that. It's like really weird. What would have made more sense is that he's already professed his love, so she even loves him even more. And then whilst he's being resuscitated and CPR'd on and all that kind of stuff, she's like, you know, in the other ear going, you know, come on, Sam, you've got to come back because I love you and you love me and we've said this. And then, you know, on that last, like, you know, 
that last um, defibrillator zap thingamajiggy, boom, then he comes back. That would all fit in. Rather than just a spiritualistic, yes, I'm dead, but the Prime's in some sort of weird consciousness thing of being like, oh, you have proven yourself as a leader, so we shall... Here's Sean Connery, obviously. <laughs> we shall yes. give you the gift of life again. Go and lead the Autobots to victory. And uh, then he just wakes up. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I think I think it's so inconsistent, which is why it, it didn't work for me. Um, mm. But I was actually going through all of that to get to the point of the, the human characters that I do still like, is I love the... Uh, the Nest team. Mm. Okay. Um, I think, uh, I can't remember all their names, but Lennox and, and his team, I, I think that, you know, I consistently enjoyed them throughout the first and the second and even into the, uh, into the third film for all the, the flaws that that one has as well. Um, I think, you know, I would have much rather seen more of kind of their characters a little bit. Um, like if they if they had to bring in more like of a human element, I would have liked to have possibly seen more of like Lennox hanging out with uh, Ironhide a little bit, because clearly like at the end of the first film, that's who he's got when he goes home. He's got Ironhide with him. Ironhide drops his him off at his home. He's like, there you go. Or <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, uh, and where there's no mention of his family, you know, or anything like that. Like that whole subplot is just completely dropped from the first film. You know, are they still alive? Where are they? What are they doing? Etc. It's just gone. Um, but I, I, when those guys are on screen, I thought it was fun. So I'll give them that. Yep. Um, yeah. And otherwise, I kind of um, echo a lot of what you said. I just, it's just without that nostalgia behind it, which I think is the biggest difference between you and I and this film. And you and the rest of the world on this film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. I'm going to hit you with a little bit of trivia. All right. Yeah. Let's finish off with some, some trivia. Hit me with, with, some... with some trivia. Yeah. Um, right. I, I will say, and I don't know if this is because I've had a really long day or because of my feelings towards the film, but I sat here for like 40 minutes reading through all the trivia um, and I had a really hard time picking out stuff that was interesting. Um, and I actually started to like fall asleep while I was reading through everything, Whoa. which I thought was. I found kind of amusing a little bit because it kind of echoed some of my sentiments about the film as I was reading through the trivia. I was like, oh my God, this is going on and on. Anyway, um, but I did pick out a couple of things. Okay. Um, first one, um, attending a preview of the film, Steven Spielberg is reported to have said, upon seeing Devastator in Operation Firestorm, that is fucking awesome. Um, apparently Michael Bay was very proud of the fact that he made the Normally well-mannered Spielberg swear. Okay. So, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, as of 2011, this film holds the record for the highest number of paid product placements. <laughs> well, um, uh, we've at talked 40, about that. 47 of them. Well, we recently talked about um, product placement, didn't we? And yeah. They will not make a massive issue of that. It's like... It just it's, it is there. So, is that right? What Revenge of the Fallen had the massive, yeah. really? Because I would have liked the having like seen the first two films a lot. I would have, I me personally would have noticed more in the first film. I would have said there's more in the first film than there was the second. But I I didn't. Yeah, I, I mean I didn't really notice. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, I missed like it. I, said, I don't. 
I don't notice product placement very often, but somebody obviously sat there and counted up 47 oh, It was probably like so, in the beginning scene when the oil spark drops through the house and activates everything in the kitchen. Like, because that probably was like every product placement, like the Hoover and the washing machine and the microwave and everything else that transformed into some shit. That was probably all the product placement of the movie. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And the phones, I mean, of I course. Would, I, I would say that I'll go back and watch it just to see if I could spot them all, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, me going to watch it again one day, buddy. Yeah, I know we are. Just just for the end <laughs> scene, so you can tell me what's going on. This is the, what I expect in slow motion. to have happen. Is, yeah, in slow motion, with you standing by the TV screen, with one of those laser pointers being like, okay, so here, this is this is where there's a Decepticon, and right here, yeah, these two, they're Autobots. Yeah, and, and then these, down guys, here, these, are, these, these guys are bad guys hiding behind bushes, just waiting. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have to do that for me. Yep. We're okay. Doing. Um, this film was released on the 25th anniversary of uh, the Transformers original series. Wow. Good timing. Uh, yeah. Great timing. Mm, 1986. Uh, it's, almost, it's almost as if they planned it. Yeah. No, not of the movie of the original show. 1984. I just, I just working out in my head. It's like 1986, yeah. 2007. Doesn't add up. <laughs> no, no, no. It's 1984 <laughs> and 2009. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that makes sense. That's good. Cool. Yeah. Wow. That was that was thought out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I kind of touched upon this, but the 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 uh, the two writers, so Robert, I'm not sure if his name is pronounced Orki or Orsai. Um, Roberto or I think it's Orki. Okay, Roberto Orki and Alex Kurtzman originally passed on the film due to scheduling conflicts with other films, but the studios returned to them after looking through the other writers' scripts and finding them unsatisfactory. Now, based on how much I'm like myself and half the other world don't like the film and the scripting and stuff, I would love to read what some of the unsatisfactory scripts were. <laughs> yeah. Um, One so, day, yeah, maybe. So they, yeah. So they went, they went back to the table, obviously, but they only had three weeks to write the scripts due to the uh, 2007 writer's strike. Uh, so I guess, yeah, that just, that's interesting, the fact that they only had three weeks to do it and the fact that there's, there were worse scripts out there. Hmm. So I'd like, to, I'd like to read those. <laughs> Absolutely. I would be too. Yeah. Um, this just links back to a little bit of trivia from yesterday's one. Um, good old Steve Jablonski, you know, we mentioned that he, he uh, brought in his mentor, Hans Zimmer, to help out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or Hans Zimmer reached behind his desk and pulled out that CD yeah, and gave it to there him. There you go. Get that guy. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. So, um, true to uh, fashion, Steve Jablonski bought in his mentor, Hans Zimmer, and the rock band Linkin Park to assist in uh, composing the musical score. Yeah. Okay? Yep. So, whatever they did there had a massive impact on your hearts while watching this film and up to the score for you. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like the Lincoln Park thing, wasn't there their only uh, input like the last theme bit, what I've done? So I thought, but, but that... uh, apparently not. Maybe they had they maybe they had a bit more to to do. Well, if they did, fair play to them because I mean, if you want to sway me when it comes to a movie, do it with the soundtrack, and there. clearly they succeeded. 
in, uh, so in the I'm just so. going to ask you one question off of it, and then I'll go on. So my last bit of trivia. Okay. Based on what you just said, or you know, just you know, get some good music in there, have a good soundtrack. Yeah. Does that mean that if somebody was to rescore Die Hard Five all with Christian Kane music, it'd be a better film? <laughs> um. I don't know. I'd have to watch the film to be able to judge, but yeah, if it works, yeah. I mean, could he, I could I could imagine like Optimus Prime battling Megatron, Starscream, and the Chopper, the the, the Chopper with um, well, with uh, yeah house rules music. Yeah, I could I could see that. <laughs> we might um, have to um, we might have to give that a try at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could imagine it's like you know, welcome to my house, and Optimus Prime smashes somebody in the face, you know. <laughs> Good work. I might try and do a film tomorrow when I'm at work and stuff. So and mix that in. Cool. Could be interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so here is the uh, last little bit, and I thought this was interesting, and it will lead into um, the next uh, the next episode that we do about this. Hmm. But according to um, to the writers, um, uh, Orky and Kurtzman, the appearance of the Fallen was meant to lead into the arrival of the Fallen's master in Dark of the Moon. The Fallen's master being Unicron. Yes. Um, but uh, then they, they, they left the, the, the project, the third one. They didn't write it. So that whole thing was abandoned. And see, I thought again, that would that, have been interesting. That made sense with the whole thing of like the Fallen wanting to like, you know, destroy stars or eat up stars or convert them to Energon or whatever the fuck it was that he was doing. And that would make sense because that's kind of like what Unicron did like in the movie or as I understand, they'd go around and just eat up planets and digest it and convert it to energon and stuff. That that is what not just planets, but moons, moons. <laughs> um, don't think he did stars. I think as far as I'm aware, it's just planets and moons, and and that was it. And that was like it was a great segue into that. And that's what, as I understand it, the majority of fans were expecting after two. They were like. That's leading into Unicron. That's going to be the next film thing. Or he's going to appear at the end of the film. But then he didn't. Transformers 3 came and went and nothing. And 4, I don't know, I've not seen it, but I've heard there might be something that indicating that. I don't know. But we'll talk about that on the, the next one. But um, yeah, yeah that's it. that is a bit of a shame, really, because that would have been a great way to end Revenge of the Fallen if, like, you know, when the Fallen has fallen, in a weird way um you know and Optimus has his speech of like we are safe and our history is combined with humans forever and blah 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 and then like the camera just pans back and it goes through like maybe several galaxies or whatever and then boom you just like and in a straight line it's like earth and it is a little dot at this point in the middle and then like bang yeah. unicron just like goes over or under either way like uh, like the star story and a new hope and it's, it's massive, and you're like, what the fuck is that? But you know it's Unicron. Um, that would have been the way that I'd have done it. But Yeah, I think maybe it would have, that would have given it uh, maybe some extra props at the end there. Yeah. Very, very possibly. Because um, it would have given them, like, yeah. And that would have made sense for, like, the third film, because Megatron was fucked, because he had half of his head and face blown off and stuff, so... He's having to retreat to repair and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the Decepticon army was like kind of brutalized in that battle. So 
they're at like the lowest at this point. So would it make sense that they go away, they fuck off to the moon or Mars or wherever to just like, you know, repair and build up their forces and stuff. And in the meantime, in the film number three, Dark of Unicron or whatever, Unicron's heading over. Autobots have to rally together to launch out to go and try and stop Unicron from getting to the Earth. Yeah. Like, fuck the Decepticons for a little bit. Or maybe have them come in at the end and steal the credit or, uh, you know, fuck the Autobots up or whatever and kill some of them and stuff. Like, uh, you know, Ironhide and Ratchet and stuff, as happens in the 1986 film. But that that would... That, see, that would have been amazing. Why are we not writing this shit? <laughs> Again, <laughs> that would have been so much, I think, more entertaining than what they actually did. Yeah, well, apparently the, the original writers had something in mind. Um, but they moved off the project, so yeah, that didn't happen. Oh, that's a shame. That's a real shame. And and that's what I got. There is page after page after page of trivia, and like I said, I got really bored. I think one of them said something about like it would take sixteen thousand hours or sixteen thousand days um, if one was to have used a like a one type of computer to render all of the special effects or something yeah. but I found it really boring I was just like well clearly they didn't because it didn't take 16,000 something yeah. to, to do it <laughs> um, okay so yeah so uh, there there we have it Revenge of the Fallen indeed. similar but vastly different uh, views of, of, of this film yeah I'll, I'll, I'll admit maybe my um, uh, my critique of it and rating is maybe corrupt based on various things that we mentioned. But, yeah, I, I I really enjoyed it for what it was, as far as the Transformers films go. So, yeah. We'll see what happens when we talk cool. about 3 and 4 next time. Indeed. Yeah. All right, dude. I thought that one, that was a, a lot more, uh, not construct, less heated than I thought it would be. Yeah, well, that's my thing. I'm, I like to keep things calm and cool these days and stuff. It's like, you, you know, there are subjects to get heated about, for sure, but, you know. But not a film. <laughs> no, not a film. Movies and stuff, well, no, except just have a chat and stuff. And yeah, yeah, we'll see where it goes. So, no, it's cool. really good. I've really enjoyed the session. So, I, uh, yeah, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, thank you for allowing me to join you. I don't even know why I'm thanking you. It's like, you're my co-host. You're always here. <laughs> Nonetheless, you're welcome. Yes, thanks. Yeah, thank um, you for joining me. Yeah, so for anybody who's got any views over Revenge of the Fallen, whether they agree with me or disagree with me, or maybe agree or with more Sean. more importantly, whether they agree with me. Yes, or disagree with you. <laughs> uh, they yeah, can, I'll accept that as well. <laughs> which I'm sure they won't. Most people will agree. Uh, they can contact us, 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 at nashcastpod at gmail.com yes. yes or on twitter at nashcastnetwork or directly if you really want to uh, give me some personal abuse about liking the film I'm at scottnash4 or if you want to give me some praise for not liking this film I'm at Neil Sean. yeah so hope you guys enjoyed listening uh give us some feedback if you want and then uh join us in a, a few days time for or whenever for episode three and four review uh, sorry not episode transformers three and four review yes which we're going to do in one pod 
Because I think three yes, is going to be pretty quick. I think like that'll be maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, and four is just all you because I've not seen it. And I don't want to see it either. <laughs> so, so but you're going to have to at some point just so that uh, yeah, you, you uh, can yeah. agree or disagree on it. Yeah, when it's available, I will... Uh, oh, I've only I've only seen it the once. I'll watch it again when it comes out on DVD with you. Or Blu-ray. Okay. Yeah, we'll watch it or together. Or in, we'll... in 3D. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well... Yeah, yeah. Well, whenever it comes out, yeah, I will give it a watch with you for sure, and then we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, so we've had Transformers one. This is Transformers two, three, and four is coming next. Part three of the Transformers saga, and uh, that will finish it off for this uh, episode of Nashcast. I am Scott. I am Sean. Good journey. Good journey. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>